This is the Swampscott Library's Librarians by the Sea podcast, where we share our love of a good book with you. I'm your host, Julie Travers. Today on the podcast, we have an interview with Adriana Mather, a New York Times bestselling author, producer, and actor. She is the author of two series for young adults, How to Hang a Witch and its sequel, Haunting the Deep, and Killing November and its sequel, Hunting November, which was just published in May of 2020. She tells us all about her journey to becoming an author and the deep roots of her family's history and how they inspired some of her works. Enjoy! How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, you know, just mornings of writing and babies and 20-year-old cats who smack you in the head, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) Regular stuff. Yeah, just the normal. (laughs) Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Of course. So just to start off, it sounds like you've had a a really varied career path. Do you mind telling us a little bit about it and how you got into writing? Uh, Sure. Yeah. um, Well, there's a lot. So I will make it as concise as possible. Basically, I graduated college. I went home for the summer, which was Long Island. And I was working in a school. And my best friend said, why don't we move to California? And I said, okay, fine. And we did. And then um, I had no plan. I had no job, no car. I think we subletted from someone who had two domesticated wolves. And uh, yeah, this is real. Um, (laughs) And LA was just this, I don't know, mainly a party, honestly, at 22. But I wound up doing all of these things. I wound up in a business job where I I sold health food products to countries, mostly in Europe. So I worked mostly in Asia and Europe. And um, I then had a teaching job. And then I worked in film. And I produced and acted. And I did that for years. That was my main thing. That started about 25-ish and went for a while. And then... One day I broke my arm snowboarding in Utah, which sucked because I broke all the bones. It was fairly traumatic. And I went home to my mom. I landed on her couch because I was just absolutely miserable and she took care of me, which was lovely. But I was really upset because I was such a doer and all my days were full. And now all of a sudden I'm just still, and it drove me crazy. So I started thinking about stories. I mean, I'd been in stories for a long time with the producing and the acting and so on. And I started thinking like, okay, well, what's a story that I would want to tell? And I was looking at my family history and, uh, So it is that I'm related to Cotton Mather, who was the instigator of the Salem Witch Trials, right? And I thought, well, I I really don't know very much about that side of my family. Wouldn't it be interesting if I researched it a little bit more? And maybe there's a story I want to tell there. So off I went to Salem, and... um, I fell absolutely in love with the town. I mean, it was spooky. It had black houses and cobblestone streets and all of this awesome stuff. And people uh, would laugh when they heard my last name because essentially I was a historical villain, you know, and I thought, 
oh my goodness, what is going on? This is so fascinating and I need to know more. And so that's actually where my book writing started because of a story that just came in and bothered me until I wrote it. And once I did, honestly, I wrote it from my bed mostly. And one of my friends compared me to um, the grandparents in Willy Wonka. Mm -hmm. And I thought, my goodness, I've never had a more apt celebrity comparison in my life. And so once, once I started, once I got about hundred pages in, I thought, you know what, I am doing this. I am really writing a book. Of course I wrote the whole thing and then had people read it and they, they said, great voice, very young adult, but this isn't a young adult book. So you should really rewrite the whole book and make it young adult. And I was like, what do you mean by rewrite the whole book? They were like the whole thing, like start to finish. Like you really need to structurally change the whole thing. And so uh -huh. this is what you get for just writing a book on the fly. <laughs> so I threw the whole book out. I started back from the beginning. I wrote four outlines, one of which was 30 pages long, rewrote the entire book. And that was how to hang a witch. And that was the book that sold. Mm. Um, and it got, an agent in a couple of weeks and it sold in 48 hours wow. which was amazing it was the craziest journey it was like a year of do i have a book is it a book type thing how much do i need to change it let's rewrite it over and over and over to all of a sudden being this thing in the world and i was so I, I took a chance, you know, I, I pushed aside my ego and said, okay, obviously I don't know what's going on. Let's make it better. Let's do it over. And it worked. And that's how I wound up in the writing industry. And I love it. And it is honestly the best thing that I do with my time. I love waking up in the morning. You got a very long answer to a very simple question. No, <laughs> and my life history. So beware going forward. What you um, that's cool. Uh, did you let anybody um, in your family read it? You know, given the history that they everybody shares, had they read it oh, before? I try to make everybody read everything. I'm like, read it. Tell me what's wrong with it. Tell me, tell me how I can make it better. Yes, they read it. They all, of course, they love me. So they told me it was good. And I was like, oh, great. Now we're lying. Now I'll <laughs> never make this book better. No, but I, they, they loved it. My grandparents, especially my grandparents on my father's side of the family, um, they were really touched because it, when I was a little girl, my, I used to walk around my grandmother's house and she has all the stuff from our family, like all of the paintings and the old journals and old letters and like a cane, a gold tipped cane that was given as an apology present in, in the 1800s to a best friend. And, you know, just things that have stories and awesomeness. And she used to walk me around and tell me about our family. And I never really went farther than that. I listened to her stories, but I didn't really do my own research. And so my family was actually delighted that I had taken parts of my history and put them in books and really looked at them critically in a different way than I had before. So yes, family, family was happy. That's good. Would you mind going into a little bit of, I know your family's history is super expansive, but would you mind going into some of the you know, bigger points that, that come out of the history? Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, well, 
my ancestors came over in the early six, well, the Mathers anyway, came over in the early 1600s. I want to say 1632, six. I'm not that awesome with recalling dates after the fact. Uh, but yeah, they came over in the early 1600s and they were part of most of the major events in New England. So um, everything from the Revolutionary War to the Salem Witch Trials to uh, they were on the Titanic. They uh, There's so much there. And those are the big events. But if you dig a little bit farther, you get a bunch of the small stuff, which is actually what I think is the most interesting about history are the personal stories and the little tidbits that maybe aren't as sensational, but paint a picture of a girl in a boarding school in upstate New York in 1851, you know, corresponding with her uncle who's a bachelor in New York and who is teasing her mercilessly. Like these are the things that I find most charming. But anyway, yeah. So those are some of the big highlights of my family history. Hmm. I'm impressed that you have all the documents. Did you say your grandmother has a lot of the documents and historical artifacts? Yeah. Um, she, she has a lot of stuff. Yeah. And a lot of personal stuff, like a lot of letters and things, uh, which after I wrote How to Hang a Witch, that's actually how I wound up writing my second novel, Haunting the Deep, was I was at her house and I was going through uh, some of the old letters that were in her desk and I was reading them and um, I came across an envelope that had Titanic scrawled on the front of it and I thought, oh my goodness, what is this? But my great-grandmother, who I was named after, Adriana Storm Haxton Mather, very long, proper name, mm -hmm. I, she's wonderful. And she was a teacher and an amateur historian. And she, because she was born in 1897, she actually had access to a lot of the things that had come like 100 years before her. And she cataloged them all for us, leaving little notes and note cards on the furniture and in the books and so on telling you who it belonged to and why they had it and so I was going through these letters and I found this envelope and I thought oh well she collected a lot of news articles so maybe it's some news clippings from the Titanic which is amazing and there were there were news clippings from Titanic articles at the time but there was also a letter and the letter was written to my great 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 grandmother telling her how we how our cousins survived the passage of the titanic and it was this vividly written letter and it talked about how the the sea was so calm that night that you could see all the stars in the sky and that they reflected in it like a mirror i mean it was just this these things that you've heard historically but to see it from a first-hand perspective was unbelievable and I realized no one had seen this letter before and that it was just living in my grandmother's desk and that maybe it would always live there and that no one would ever get to read it and I thought oh my goodness I need to write a book about this this is my second book and so I did that was haunting the deep and the it was all written around that one letter which actually is featured in the book itself mm, wow that's really cool I was going to ask you how you pick topics from your for your books, but it sounds like they come from your family history, mostly. They, well, uh, yes and no. So those two, How to Hang a Witch and Haunting the Deep were my family history, 100%. And people always ask me, are you going to write a third book in that series? And 
I would love to. I don't know when, but I would love to. And if I did, I would definitely write it about my ancestors in Sleepy Hollow because awesome. And I want to do that research. Uh, but I, my next series, Killing November, which I adore, and the second book, and it just came out, Hunting November. I, that book concept came to me in a dream. I just, I, I don't know what it was. I woke up one morning and I had not only a book idea, which dreams can provide a lot of stuff like that, but it was a title and a tagline, which is almost creepy in its specificity, you know, and I was like, oh my goodness, what is this? Do I have to write this? And, but the more I thought about it, it, it once again became that thing where the story just bothers you, like it creeps into your thoughts and like, you don't get a quiet moment from it until you start planning it out. And so I was like, all right, let's just do this thing. And I started, I uh, building out the story when I was walking my dog. And so, yes, yeah, story concepts come from a variety of places. And then sequels, well, I wrote the sequel. It just came out, as I said, but the sequels are harder. Sequels are much harder than first books because you have to, whatever character arc you had, you need to now do a new one. So that character that you were like very specific about, okay, I want them to learn this thing. You're like, okay, now they need to learn something else. Mm -hmm. And the book needs to be the same, like similar. So people feel the same way about it, but it can't be too similar. Otherwise you're writing the same story and it should be different because you want new elements, but it can't be so different that you feel like you've escaped. You're not in that series anymore. So sequels are very, very challenging in their own right. Um, and now I actually just finished my first draft of a rom-com. So nothing to do with any of the other stuff that I've written before. Um, and yeah, don't ask me. I don't know. <laughs> Book ideas come from everything. It, I mean, watch out when you're in stores or uh, supermarkets or cafes because there's always a writer and they're always taking down a piece of dialogue if you say something particularly interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, you part, when you started both of your uh, first books in each of the series, did you know that there was going to be a second book as well? Or um, Yes, yeah. yeah. I did. I knew in both of the series that there would be a second book. Um, that is, yeah, that was just what was talked about when the series sold originally. Mm. So, yeah. Nice. Now, uh, what's your writing process like? And um, maybe even your research process. I know you talked a little bit about for How to Hang a Witch, you used a lot of your own documents, your family's documents. But um, what about for your second series? How, how did you research that? Uh, well, so I have this theme of history, or I there's the theme of history in my first books. So I carried that into my second series because it's actually uh, takes place at a hidden boarding school in the middle of a forest, a, a medieval building that I houses modern day teens, but they are part of a secret society and they learn things the same way that their ancestors have learned them for thousands of years. So there's no electricity, there's no internet, there's an eye for an eye punishment system. And they are, they manipulate world politics and uh, world events and have played major roles in all of the world history. Uh, and they do this in the quiet way. So 
instead of being, say, the leader of a country, they are the leader's best friend, or they are a nanny, or an advisor, or someone that is central, that sort of whispers in the ear of the person in charge, right? And uh, so their families have been doing this. So I got to look up world history this time, because most of my characters are, are European, and come from ancient uh, civilizations like uh, like Greece and Rome and so on. And, uh, and so as I was looking all of this up, I was finding the most bizarre pieces of history, things that you thought, there's no way this actually happened or this has to be a coincidence. This could not be. Um, like a king, for instance, who... Uh, was uh, King Umberto, and he he was at a restaurant one day, and at that restaurant, he discovered that the owner of the restaurant uh, was born on the same day that he was, and that they had both married women named Marguerite. And there, and this isn't where it stopped. There were all of these bizarre little life. Uh, coincidences, but they were so specific and they just thought, oh, this is, this is too much, right? So they had stayed in contact over the years. And then um, someone reported to the king one day that the, that the restaurant owner had died. And later that day, so did the king. And so these are the types of things that you read about in history and you think, and so those are the sort of cornerstones of my Killing November series, because you have these secretive teens who learn things like poisons and knives and deception, and with these long family histories that have done all of these fantastical things, and yeah, and I sprinkled in all of these little factoids throughout history that are pretty awesome. Mm, that's really cool. Do you prefer research or do you prefer the writing process? Uh, the writing. Research is so fun, but you can go down the rabbit hole with it. Mm -hmm. And there's also things that are sometimes frustrating. Like you're trying to write a scene, but you don't know things. Like you don't know, um, say you're writing a deception class, right? And you're like, well, what do I know about deception? nothing nada and I don't even know how to lie so then you're online for like a week taking a lying class in deception and micro expressions just to write a class scene and so yeah I, I, while that was very fun that process can drag out like even when it's um a historically accurate thing like what did the Titanic actually look like where were the elevators where were the staircases what were the rooms, who stayed in, you know, what furniture was there. So even though you could write a scene that barely touches on these things, just mentions the color of the couch and what the walls looked like and what the paintings were, you have spent hours meticulously understanding what that room looked like. So there's, there, that part of research, while fun, can also slow down the writing and can sometimes be um, laborious. Yeah. I'm sure the readers appreciate the accuracy of all the details, though. So that's, that's nice. Hey, if I get it all right, who really knows? Every <laughs> once in a while, someone's like, uh, 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 nope. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so I kind of wanted to ask you about marketing for your books because I um, saw all the book trailers that you, I don't know if it's you or your publisher or whoever does them. They're really, they're really cool and they're almost like mini movies. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, do you do you Thank do most you. of the marketing of your books, or is that something that the your publisher takes care of? Mainly my publisher. Um, the in terms of marketing, my publisher. In terms of uh, the videos, it's a marriage between me and my publisher because mm -hmm. I have obviously worked in film for a long time. So uh, when when we were discussing how to hang a witch, and we were talking about what would what would the marketing look like. I said, well, you know, I could make a trailer if you guys were interested in doing this. And so we worked together and made this trailer thing. And it just sort of continued throughout the varied series. Mm. Do you see any of your books becoming either TV shows or movies? I feel like they make pretty good contenders for that format. Well, thank you. Yes, uh, there are definitely producers working on that at present so oh, we shall see keep your fingers crossed for both series so oh wow yeah. so you just had a new book come out so congrats on that um oh thank you how was the i know a lot of books you know were being pushed until after the pandemic is you know quote unquote over um, right how was how was the release of your book impacted by uh the current situation um well you know it's a sequel so mm -hmm that that is that helps and is hard in some ways so i with a sequel you have all of the people who read your first book and um will automatically dive into the second one right but the things that change the most i guess are the travel and the conferences and the events um i have some really wonderful readers who very loyally show up every book release and we have big party and do all of these things so missing that stuff was kind of sad and like I said the conferences and so on and it's always nice to be able to get out there and do some public speaking right at the beginning of a release because it especially with a series because it alerts people again to your first book and so on but I mean, I'm an introvert, so staying home in my pajamas wasn't such a problem for me. I, I'm not one of the writers that's online um, producing content all the time. I'm like, this is my cat, and this is my baby, and these are my friend's books, bye-bye. I'm not on Twitter. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I was okay. <laughs> that's good. I was wondering if you had a character in either of your series that you related to the most? Hmm. Good question. I think it would probably be uh, November in my Killing November series because she is, uh, well, even though she's extroverted and I'm not, she has a, she tends to bring humor to things. Even when things get sort of grave and dark, she will just be like, all right, somebody somebody needs a joke because we can't, we can't live in this dark place. And I think that's, that's a really similar quality to the way that I approach life in general. Uh, but other than that, 
I mean, there's always pieces of you in your books everywhere. You can't get around it, especially in food. I'd say I'm more the food in my books than I am the people. Mm-hmm. Um, all my favorite things are in my books. In fact, when I was pregnant and I was writing, my husband read my book and he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, this book has 5,000 eating scenes. And I was like, what? So what? Food is important. He's like, you are pregnant and you are very hungry and you are writing nonstop about food. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Fine. Um, so I, that was, yeah, I would say the food definitely. And then sometimes I draw from people in my actual life, like personality traits or qualities. However, the characters I like the most are the ones that are m- most difficult and most unlikable, which is really funny. Um, in uh, my How to Hang a Witch series, it would be Alice. And in my Killing November series, it would be Arya. And they are the ones that are super prickly and give my uh, main character a super hard time and are really kind of awful until you get just below the surface and then you're like oh but I kind of love you like you're really you're really wonderful like once I get to know you and I like that I like winning people over with a character that is unlikable to start Mm, that's cool I think at the beginning you mentioned that you your how to hang a witch book was not oriented towards teens at the is that true is that what you said Oh yeah, yeah. It was originally um, written as an adult book. Mm. So you did, um, and then did you continue to write for, you know, in YA because you liked it or because you... I think I just sound inherently like a 16 year old. Like I'm, it's an arrested development issue. I'm living my best 16 year old life. I I don't know. I'm not really sure. No, it just, something about my voice and writing made a lot of sense for YA. And every time I sat down to write a book, it wound up being YA. It wasn't even like a conscious choice. Like this is, this is a wonderful place to write. I love it to death, but I, I also just gravitated towards it. Mm. I am going to try to write an adult book one day. Let's okay. see what happens. Someone might read it and be like, this is a YA book. You need to change it. <laughs> uh, and your next book is um, YA as well? The rom-com that you mentioned? Yeah. 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 Rom-com, YA. Yep. Nice. So just as a sort of final question, usually on the podcast I ask, other librarians about books that they've read recently? Um, Have you had time to read recently? I know it's probably a busy time for you, but, um, and if so, have you enjoyed anything recently? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, actually, there's two books that I have read recently, um, which one is adult, and it comes out today. Funny enough, today is its book birthday. Uh, It's called East Coast Girls, and it is, if you are a Yaya Sisterhood now and then, type fan, you will love this book. Um, It's by Carrie Clutter. She is a wordsmith. Her sentences are gorgeous. And I am currently reading Beach Read, which is actually another adult book, um, a rom-com by Emily Henry. And Emily is, oh God, she's so fun. If you like a rom-com, you would you can't not like this book it's just impossible it is so fun and so awesome uh so i would say those two books uh, were my most recent reads and both nominal nice it's getting to be the season for uh reads too so that's good good to know yeah 
Indeed. Yep. Both of these will work perfectly on your beach blanket, which may or may not happen considering pandemic. So there you have it. In your backyard. In your backyard on your grass. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, thank you so much. I um, appreciate you taking the time to talk today. And Absolutely. I'm happy to do it. All right. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye-bye.